Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Uh, this is probably the last week in the series, Community, and we talked about it the last couple of weeks, what that really means is common unity where we come together with a, a purpose, uh, a, a same purpose and values and, and goals and plans, and then we're able to uh, allow the Lord to work through our lives. And as a body of Christ, as a part of the body of Christ, what we do, what God has called us to do, is really vital to the rest of the body. I'm not sure what part we are. Maybe we're an index finger or a little toe, but, but every part of the body is vital. And so we're, we come in common unity. You know, our goal is, uh, our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And then our, our goal, our vision from that is that we become people whom will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. It's a natural flow. And so that's what God has called us to do. And that's what we do. And that's what we stay focused on. But we're part of, a, of the larger body. And so community is really vital, and that's why I took a couple of weeks to talk about life groups and, and encourage you to, uh, to get in those and, and be committed to those. So common unity is, is really vital. Um, in 1 Samuel, King Saul disobeys God. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. You can go back and read this later. Uh, and then uh, he also, uh, King Saul also disobeys Samuel, the prophet and the priest. And, you know, that God eventually replaces Saul with King David. And uh, uh, in 2 Samuel, King David's son rebels against him. And uh, King David was an anointed man of God. He was anointed uh, king by God. And there were multiple times, even though he was anointed by God, even when uh, Saul was still king, Saul was trying to kill David, and David would have to flee for his life. I think there's some lessons in that. Even when we're called by God, even when we're given the position, sometimes we have to wait on the Lord to open that door up. And, and David was a great example of not getting ahead of God. There were times when he could have killed Saul, and he didn't. He said, no, this is in God's hands. I'm going to wait on God. That's a, that's a whole life lesson there for all of us. Are we willing to wait on God? But uh, David, David had to flee for his life because his son, when, when uh, King David was king, his son Absalom was attempting to steal the throne from him. And we know that David was a mighty warrior. He was a mighty man of God. Even when we look at his life, we see significant failures where he had the, the affair with Bathsheba. You know, here David, David's men are in battle out at war. And David's at home where he should be out with his men. I mean, he's checking out this babe on the rooftop, taking a bath. And he decides, hey, she's looking pretty good, you know. I'm in her in battle. I'm kind of bored here. Maybe I'll just have her come over. And you know the story. Uh, they have an affair. She gets pregnant, and he tries to hide it. He, uh, he sends her husband into battle and tells the men retreat, basically has him murdered. But yet the Word of God says that David was a man after God's own heart. And it's like, well, how can this be? How could 
the, the wicked things, the evil things that he did, wouldn't that negate or neutralize him being a man after God's own heart? So David was not perfect, but I think the thing that David examples for us is he knew how to receive grace. He knew how to receive mercy. He had a relationship with God, even though being very imperfect like us, right? We sang about it today, uh, no sin, no stain, no guilt, no shame is greater than God's love for us. And maybe we need to be reminded of that sometimes and say, wait a minute, and I'm not proposing that we, that we go and live in sin and do these things, but wait a minute, there are times when we, we have stumblings and, and failures, and, but God's grace is greater than our sin. And not only do we need to be reminded of that sometimes, but there's a whole world of people out there probably sitting in churches right now today that need to understand that God really loves them and His love, His grace and mercy is greater than their sin. God doesn't want us to live there, but He wants to bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives. But if we're constantly beating ourselves up, can we ever really truly receive and so when we receive Christ in our life, our, the word says our sins are as far as the east is from the west. If he can forgive us, can we forgive ourselves? So David was a mighty man of God. He had a lot of issues with his children. He had a lot of children from, from different uh, wives. And uh, one, of his, one of his sons raped one of David's daughters. And one of the other sons that was a brother to the sister that had gotten raped by the stepbrother, one of the, the other sons killed the stepbrother. And it appears that, that David really didn't address some of these significant things that were going on right under his nose in his own family. And so there were, there were a lot of issues. And and I think about, I wonder how David felt reflecting on how things might have been different if he had handled his children and family in a different manner. There's an account where uh, he calls Absalom, his son, that had killed his, his, his stepbrother, back. And Absalom's like, why did, why did my dad call me back? He, hadn't even, he hadn't, hasn't even reached out to see me. He called me back, and he, and he won't even talk to me. What, what's the point of that? And so we see the importance of these relationships, parental relationships, how vitally important they are. Because maybe you as a child came up from a family where you never felt loved, or you never felt like your dad really loved you, or you could never please your dad or your mom. Or God says, I love you just like you are. And I want you to come into this relationship with me, and then I want to bring health and healing and wholeness to your life so you can live the abundant life that Jesus came to give all of us. But let's not minimize the impact and the importance of our parents and our relationships. And so I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how David felt. I wonder if he had sorrow. I wonder if he had guilt. I wonder if he had shame. He was responsible for murdering, murdering Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. 
I don't know what that's like. I've never murdered anyone, and hopefully none of you have either. But King David was on the run, and he's leaving his throne because Absalom is undermining his authority and, and stealing the throne. My first point this morning is rest helps us connect to the Lord. I, uh, <clears throat> during the time that I was off, I spent some time at a, a friend of ours, uh, some friends of ours, they have a lake house up by Lake Livingston up there. And... Uh, it was really good for me because, you know, we office out of the home and there's just, you know, always stuff going on at the house. And uh, they have, have you seen that? We had them at, at the other building. I don't know if you've seen those scriptures that you can put on the wall. They're like decals. And over one of the windows looking out over the lake, it, it said, uh, Psalm 62, 1, my soul finds rest in God alone. And one day I was sitting there, and I, I, I read that. I mean, I'd seen it before, but it's like, boom. All of a sudden, it's like the Lord is highlighting, my soul finds rest in God alone. And I'm like, man, that's what I need right now. I need rest for my soul. You know, our soul is our mind, our will, our intellect, our emotions, our passions, those kinds of things. And, and in most of the scriptures that I looked at for Psalm 62.1, it refers to my soul, talking about our soul. Uh, but let's look at it in the NLT, the first part. It says, I wait quietly before God. So I, okay, if, if I say, I'm going to help you move uh, your furniture today or whatever. When I think of I, I'm generally thinking of me physically going, right? I, I don't know how you think of this, but... But when I go, I'm not just taking my physical body. I'm taking my, my soul, right? We're three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. So all of me is going to help lift up the sofa and put it on the trailer or whatever. And, and, and then the, the scripture, let me read on. Uh, I wait quietly. Waiting quietly means in silence or rest. It also can mean relief from trouble, implying that I have a right relationship with God so I can wait quietly. Uh, it can also mean uh, a waiting expectantly to wait quietly. Say you're in a doctor's office, right, and you have an appointment, and you're waiting quietly. You're waiting expectantly, you know, in a few minutes, hopefully not too long. They're going to call Mark Johnson, and you go up, right? So... Uh, wait quietly really means that we're just kind of chilled out. We're just waiting. And so when I, when I was thinking about this, uh, these scriptures, I was thinking about, have you ever laid down at night and somebody could walk by and they could say, oh, look, they're resting, they're taking a nap or whatever, but your mind is going 100 miles an hour? So what David is saying here is, I or my soul is at rest in God. That means not only my physical body, but my mind, my will, my emotions. I'm at rest. I'm at peace. David is on the run, running for his life, because one of his sons is trying to uh, dethrone him and take the kingdom. 
And David is saying, I wait quietly before God. So if I wanted to kind of emphasize some things here in the scripture, I, I came up with this. My soul silently rests, not being anxious or stressed from trouble as I wait on Almighty God. So when we have these things happen, are we finding rest in God? Let's, uh, let's look at it in the, in the Amplified, Psalm 62.1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. David is saying, look, I'm not waiting for the circumstances to change. I'm not waiting in my own strength. David was a tremendous warrior. <laughs> he knew how to battle. He could have said, I'm going to go get that boy. I'm going to deal with this. But he says, but his perspective is only God can resolve this matter. So I'll wait. Not being anxious, but with peace. And he exercised that with, with Saul. Saul was trying to kill him, and David had, hadn't done anything wrong. David was just serving him. And, and uh, you know, Saul would try to kill him. And there were multiple times when David had the opportunity to, to vindicate himself and kill King Saul. And he said, no, I'm not going to touch God's anointing. It's up to God to take him out. I'm not going to get in the middle of that. Psalm 62.1 in the New American Standard Bible says, My soul waits in silence for God only. Back to the NLT, 62.1. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. <laughs> so we're getting some insight here from David. He's saying, hey, I'm going to rest. I'm going to wait. I'm going to be at peace. But my victory comes from Him. And, and when you look at the original uh, Greek word for victory, it's, it means my deliverance. So David is saying my deliverance. My safety, my rescue, my freedom from danger that can only come from God is with me. I have that. You have that. We have access to that because we have access to the Lord. Preach it, brother. <laughs> uh, but we have access to that. And David is confident in resting, not stressing, even though his life is in peril. He's free from danger because he knows God is with him. We have protection with God. No one can come against us without his permission. And uh, so let's, let's look at uh, Psalm 62 too now. Uh, David continues. He says, he alone is my rock and my salvation. God is David's rock and his salvation. Now, what's interesting about this passage of Scripture is that victory and salvation is the same Greek word in these passages. And when I think about victory and I think about salvation, I don't think of them as being the same. In verse 1, it says victory. My victory comes from him. And in verse 2, salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. So naturally, in my thinking, in my line of logic, I, my thought of victory is winning a physical battle. 
The Texans were victorious. <laughs> okay, they, they've won two preseason games. Let's see how they do in the regular season. Okay, but when I think about victory, I'm thinking about battle. I'm thinking about a physical battle. My thoughts on salvation is winning a spiritual battle. We're saved by grace, through faith, when we believe, not of our works, that anyone should boast. And so that's just how I kind of see victory and salvation. But what if we considered victory as winning physical and spiritual battles? And what if we considered salvation as winning spiritual and physical battles as well? So whenever we are victorious, we know, well, let me say this. Our physical life does impact our spiritual lives, right? Think about that, okay? Right, if you've got a needle in your arm or you're, you're caught up in some addictions, it has an impact in your spiritual life. Our spiritual life has an impact on our physical life too. As we draw closer to the Lord, He's bringing, He's re- restoring our mind. Romans 12, 2, be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's why I love that scripture so much because I think that's so vital that we need to yield our mind. The battle is in our soul, our mind, our will, our intellect, all of those kinds of things. And so when when we walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, it has a, a, an effect, an impact on our physical lives, right? Because we're not doing those things that we used to do or that our flesh is trying to drag us into. And when we're, when we're yielded to him, to the Lord, and he's working in our lives, he begins to take those desires away from us. He's, he begins to pull those, those deep-seated wounds and hurts or addictions or whatever that are deeper. He's like pulling those out. Every fiber of every root, he doesn't snap it off. He's pulling that thing out so he can be removed permanently. So uh, Psalm 62.2, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Because that is God's purpose for us. That when we go through trials and tribulations, and we know that we will because James says, count it all joy. Are you kidding me? Count it joy to go through trials and tribulations? But he says, James says, that perfects our faith. It builds our patience. It builds our relationship with him. It builds our trust. Okay, look, I'm walking through this thing, and I don't know how you're going to do this, God, but I'm going to trust you. And David was probably saying, I don't know how you're going to fix this mess that I've been partly responsible for, for my son Absalom wanting to undermine me and take the kingdom. But I'm going to trust you because I have this relationship, not because I've lived a perfect life. God, you know what I did with Bathsheba. You know that I had her husband killed. You know all the stuff that I've done. But I know you, God. And I know that you're a God of forgiveness and grace and salvation and victory. And I have faith that you're going to work it out because I've seen you work it out before. I know that's, that's how you are, God. You work all things for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Not 
my own purpose, but his purpose. So my first point is rest helps us connect to the Lord. Listen, we need to rest. Some of us, uh, some of us men went through the Conquer series, and it talked about addictive behaviors. It talked about uh, people that get caught up in all kinds of things, pornography and things like that. And one of the, the keys to, uh, to succumbing to those things are being tired. When you're tired, when you're bored, think about people that, that go online and look at pornography. They're probably bored. They have time. Maybe they're, maybe they're tired. And, you know, I've shared this statistic with you before, but 50% of evangelical pastors look at pornography on a regular basis. Do you think there's a problem in the church today? Do you think that has an impact? Do you think pastors are going to talk about the epidemic of pornography if they're involved in it, if they're looking at it on a regular basis? No, probably not. Because they, they fit right in there with everybody else. How can you condemn or how can you preach about this or how can you say this is wrong when you're doing the same thing? It's an epidemic. And we, I know you know John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. There are, there are a number of things that the thief does to steal, kill, and destroy. So my first point is rest helps us connect to the Lord. My second point is we need physical, emotional, and spiritual rest. We need physical rest. That's why God says take a day off and rest. You need emotional rest. You need spiritual rest where you can spend time with the Lord. And what you're doing every Sunday morning, you come here, you're giving the first part of your week to the Lord, and you're saying, hey, I'm coming to engage with you, Lord. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to let you change the atmosphere of my heart. I'm going to receive your word so I can go out and live it. I'm going to be refreshed. I'm going to be replenished so that whatever happens this week, I'm prepared. So we need that rest. When we are rested, we are refreshed physically and spiritually. When we're physically tired, that's when we can have failures. And, uh, you know, think about this. When you're physically tired, it can lead to compromised immune systems. Well, do you think there's an implication of that or a consequence of that if you're spiritually tired, if you're spiritually drained? So physical, emotional, and spiritual exhaust, exhaustion can lead to spiritual failure. Um, God knew that we needed a day of rest. And so that's why he says we need to take a day of rest. That's a commandment. And a lot of pastors think that they only have to keep nine commandments. Don't steal, don't cheat, don't, you know, but take a day of rest. Oh, no, that's for everybody else. No, that's for all of us. So Psalm 62.1, David, in the midst of him running for his life and all the things going on, he says, I, I, not just my physical body, but my spiritual being, my mind, my will, I, wait quietly. I wait in peace. 
I wait not being anxious before God, not before myself, or not before them or this or that, but I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. My third point this morning is we need to deliberately determine that we're going to take time to rest in the Lord. 